0: The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM.
1: Assalamu
2: alaikum, everyone. Welcome to Sister Speak. You joined with me in the studio with me, Mariam. Me, Sonia.
0: And me,
1: Yaqub.
2: Also joined online, we have.
1: You also have me online. You have. Yep, you have Irfan.
2: So we we have Irfan online as well. Um, So today we will be talking about Muslims in Public Policy and hence why we have these two brilliant guests with us today, the co-founders of Muslim Public Policy and we'll be talking about how it emerged and the influence that it will inshallah have. But before we do that, Sonia, could you tell
3: us what our show is about? Yeah, our show is a platform for young girls, young Muslim girls, to just talk about general topics and form discussions on things such as social media, culture, um, politics and any other kind of current affairs.
2: And all opinions our views are our own and we respect all other opposing views. Um, So I'm going to just quickly do introductions to Irfan and Yaqub, starting off with Irfan. So Irfan is a strategic commissioner at the London Borough of Redbridge and has completed the National Graduate uh, Development Programme where he has previously worked on COVID-19, public health strategies and social care reforms. He also has completed a civil service internship and has a master's in the field of global health and is the current director of MIP. Moving on to uh, Yakub, who is also the co-founder of MIP, is a finance business partner at the London Borough of Barnet, where he's working on the Brent Cross and Cricklewood Regulation, Regeneration Project. He's previously worked as an accountant at the London Borough of Hackney and is a graduate of economics and finance. So a very warm welcome to you both. And thank you for coming down, uh, Yakub and Irfan for joining online. I think this topic is really important to discuss, especially um, in access to policy in terms of local government. Um, now I'm going to move on to a segment called Thought of the Week, which is a segment where we talk about a reflection, something insightful, um, or something we just want to talk about. I'm going to start off with
3: Sonia, although
2: she did not want to be starting off with
3: Okay, so my Thought of the Week this week is to um, stay in touch with your friends. Okay, and I I actually mean this one because I think life gets so busy and everyone gets so, like rightly so like you're trying to make money you're trying to fend for yourself survive and do things um and you know you make networking and you know you make connections with people for professional reasons but i think it's important to remember that you still can have connections that are completely not professional Like it's just a good friend and a good person that you may have known and you know it's an acquaintance um and i think it's important to make time for people like that and you know it it could be like a double whammy like i have a friend that we hardly ever see each other but we go to the same gym so there you go you've used your gym time and friendship time kind of done all in one go so yeah I think that's a thought of the week that I just want to put out there like don't forget the friends that aren't there for your professional life it is literally just a good friend
2: i completely agree i think something that we all can take away especially when we're trying to um, go up the ladder in terms of our professional careers we often forget the people that supported us when we weren't in this established roles irfan i'm going to move to you what is your thought of the week
1: yeah so that was a great thought of the week Sonia thank you for sharing so my thought of the week is I think after Ramadan especially I've been I've been thinking of like small deeds that we can be consistent with as it's hard to you know continue with all of the great stuff that we achieved in Ramadan and one of those uh, things is, is which is daily remembrance of God and so morning and evening we should sit down for literally five minutes after the fajr after asr and it's a really good app on your phones if you want an to and type in adhkar um it basically to, to your daily adhkar and at the bottom of each of the duas it has like a hadith of the virtue of that dua and essentially the virtues are around getting a, allah's protection from evening to morning and so on and i think just to think you spend only five minutes in your morning and evening to do for that whole day. Um, I think that's something we can all do, and we, we don't have an excuse of saying we don't have time for this because I think we all need this and it's something that can really soften our hearts as well. So that's my thought of the week.
2: Absolutely. That's a very beautiful thought of the week.
1: And, that's my thought of the week.
2: Um, what it reminds me of is that Allah loves consistency in small acts and that's something that is quite achievable. Um, and especially that Ramadan has gone and we're looking forward to the Hijrah that's upcoming as well. I think that's something really important. I also use a app, it's called Dhikr and Du'a, and it has the same kind of essence. So really thankful for that thought of the week. Yaqub you follow with
0: a thought of the week um i can i'm just gonna slightly build on irfan so um it's about i guess reaching your goals um and i was listening to a podcast i think yesterday and it's about setting yourself standards and i think that's really important in achieving your goals so he talked about you know doing something but doing going the extra mile so adding something so let's say you're going to the gym and you're going to spend 15 or 20 minutes then adding 10 minutes and spending half an hour so going that extra mile increases your standards and will help you achieve your goals and I think that's really important Um, but yeah just setting yourself good standards to achieve your goals I think is really important
2: uh, really good uh, thought of the week as well. Reminds me of the book that I always talk about, Atomic, Atomic Habits. <laughs> <laughs>
3: my favorite book.
2: It's a very good book. I must recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of outlines about how you can adopt good habits. And it really actually focuses as well. How do you cultivate an environment that al- allows you to develop these good habits? Um, so thank you, Yakub. Um, I think I'm going to build on your thought of the week in terms yeah. of having goals. I think spiritually we tend to kind of not have um, goals because we kind of get so engrossed with our professional goals, our personal goals, but actually, fundamentally, we should be grounded by our spiritual goals. Um, And again, I think what Yakub has said is about the small acts and being consistent. And I think what you also said in terms of having standards is really important because... If you want to um, elevate yourself in terms of your spiritual growth, you have to have a benchmark which you want to reach. Um, and I think the, what the be- beautiful thing about Islam is that it looks about your journey as opposed to the at the end. Um, and it's about how Allah is going to look at your sincerity as opposed to the quantifiable acts that you do. Because on the Day of Judgment, he's going to weigh our deeds as opposed to count them. And I think that's such a significant thing. Um, so yeah I think my thought of the week is a mixture of both of yours (laughs) um, just kind of taking it away but alhamdulillah um, so yeah I think that rounds our thought of the week does anyone else have anything to add no, not hmm. really. Yeah, Nothing I think that was.
0: But you took the easy way out. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you copied them. I copied them. I, I rounded it up. Cool. But yeah, alhamdulillah. Um so Sonia, yeah. I'm going to hand it over to Sonia who will be playing a game called Would You Rather? We tend to play these games here and there and I think it'll be quite good for our
3: guests to kind of ease into our show. Yeah. Over to you, Sonia. Um yeah, so it won't be just would you rather it's just some kind of general questions. It's just a bit funny to see how you deal with certain situations. So I'll just start with the first one. So I'll go round and starting with Erfan. Yes. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, Erfan, would you rather speak to animals or have the ability to hear other people's thoughts?
1: Ooh.
3: Okay. Um,
1: I think I would rather speak to animals. I think, um, but that's more because I don't want to hear other people's thoughts. Because I think the whole point of having thoughts is you filter out what's. um, what's not good (laughs) and you only say what's good and so um i think that's a benefit um that we can't that that we don't see but we would see if people like if 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 um if if we knew what people were thinking so and also speaking to animals i love nature i just came back from the cotswold this week which is like a green belt area near gloucestershire near the midlands it's really beautiful and yeah if I had the chance to speak to animals to hear about the experiences living in the green land and you know living a peaceful life that we don't get to experience how great would that be so that's 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 my answer
3: that's a really good answer I think that was easy for you because you've just mentioned you actually like nature so it's just straight into the nature thing um but yeah Mariam would like to go to you next I I
2: think the same with me I think I find it difficult to hear my own thoughts so I think it would be too challenging for me to hear everyone else's thoughts um, and again, I think even speaking to animals, I think I'd be quite scared. So, I don't think
3: I can really <laughs> you should. just pick neither, of those. I pick neither of them. I think
2: I'd be quite scared to have a conversation. I think I would want to talk to trees and like nature okay. and not
3: animals. No, that doesn't that's not part of the question. That's not part of the <laughs> yeah. question. Why we diverge, but yeah, I think okay. for me, it's neither. All right, and Jakub, um, I
0: think I would say speaking to animals as well. I think you
3: all just copy each other.
0: I think it would be slightly scary hearing other people's thoughts really? in terms of you know you'd hear as Irfan said you'd hear I don't know deep dark thoughts that maybe mm. should be kept to themselves um, and you kind of filter out your bad thoughts and you know have good thoughts um, and I, I don't know hearing other people's thoughts maybe you'll be slightly concerned about what other people are thinking yeah, rather than yeah. what you're thinking mm. yourself um, but yeah I think yeah, i go good with answer. animals
3: I mean, after hearing everyone, I'm literally, I'm going to have to copy. Only because, again, Irfan's point is like, you don't want to hear what other people are thinking. Because you don't want them to hear what you're thinking either. Because you know yourself, how you kind of evaluate all the things and then say the right things. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And talking to animals seems pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to the next one, which is, it's completely random. And shout out to Lamisa. She's one of our presenters. She's not here with us today. Um, but she asked me this question. It just made me laugh. I'm going to do Yakub first. Oh, no. If your phone screen protector is broken, um, but you can still use your phone, yeah, um, how long will it take for you to go and get that fixed? Like something you have to fix. How long will it take for you? Are you
0: immediate or like... I'm an immediate person. I think it would annoy me having it cracked or... You know, I even though you can
3: still use the phone,
0: even though I can still use the phone, I think yeah, it would uh, nigger in my head that. I'd, I'd what if it's th-
3: happened twice now? Like it's just happened. It just happened last week, and I have to go again.
0: Oh, I'd still do it instantly. I, d- I don't know about you guys, but I, d- I just want to do it s- quickly. <laughs> I, f- I
3: feel really bad because that's happened to me so many times. So, Mariam, if you had to answer this question, I think the same as Yaku because.
2: Uh, that's happened to me I literally have broke it in like two weeks space and I just went and fixed it and I thought this will make me accountable and more careful I did to some extent but yeah okay. I would fix it
3: and Irfan
1: just clarifying the question is it that the screen protector is broken or the screen itself
3: um, I would say it's something you have to go get it fixed so let's say it's not an easy fix it's not just replace the sticker let's say it's screen, a screen yeah. but you can still use it
1: oh i see okay yeah if it was the screen itself then i'd go instantly like the cool but if it was like the screen the screen protector like a minor crack then yeah. uh, admittedly i've i've waited a long time to, to get that stuff fixed yeah
3: yeah same so with me same if it's like a screen protector i think i've had this little like corner for so long that just has like a little crack on it and you can feel it when you talk as well sometimes it's scratching your ear I just leave that so yeah, I'm kind of not immediate with it. Um, but yeah, Lamisa, funnily enough, she was saying she she wouldn't do it. She was like, I'll leave it for as long as I can use the phone. I'm just going to keep using the phone. That's such a Lamisa answer as well. Yeah, but sometimes you have to dish out quite a lot of money to do this. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, How often true. are you going to do it? Um, but yeah, I will ask one more question before we move on to our main topic of the show. Um, this is just like a silly one and I'll start with Ofern. Uh Would you rather have Five million pounds now, but it's a one off, or would you either have ten thousand pounds every single day for the rest of your life?
1: Can you repeat that if you don't mind?
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. So, you either can get five million pounds now, right? No strings attached, to nothing, but that's it, you don't get anything after that, or you can get ten thousand pounds every single day of your life.
1: I think I'd rather get ten thousand pounds every day of my life because. I don't know how to explain it, but I think number one, tax, like, I'm pretty sure There's no tax,
3: so there's no myself, tax on this, it's an a
1: accountant. <laughs> oh, it's <too> funny. <laughs> oh, there's no tax on this. Tax-free. But still, I think um, just the nature of human beings, okay, tax-free still, just the nature of humans, we're, um, <laughs> we're consumers and we just consume that 5 million too quickly, so I'd rather stagger it out, Yeah.
3: Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. Interesting. Maria? me are I alike. I think we in front are very alike. I
2: have like the same processes as well. Really? Because I would think, okay, if I have this ten thousand pad, how do I compound it and be more intentional with it? Wow. Whereas if I was five million or whatever your number you said, I I would feel like I've got such a big amount, I can be a little bit more um, unintentional with that money. That reckless. Yeah. Quite reckless. So I'd rather be more intentional with what
3: I do. You guys are disciplined, and Jakub.
0: Um, as the be
3: for real, be actually for real. If someone literally <laughs> said you can have five million now,
0: as the finance person in the room, um, I'm gonna have to say 10k. Um, guys shock me. <laughs> yeah, because obviously you can invest that 10k, but yeah. 10k
3: every day for the rest of your life, would that even amount to five million pounds?
0: It depends how, how long you live, I guess, but yeah, I think having five million in one go is just you'll blow through it and but know, I think I'm, that's a sh-
3: reflection on you three that uh, you think that five million will just go I just mean like I'm, I'm
0: sure everyone's been in that situation where you know th- they'll get a certain amount of money and then they'll look at their bank account like even oh, a couple yeah. of weeks later and just
3: maybe think, it's because we all work in finance we think things like that maybe yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think the 10k
3: well I think I'm the only one then I would take the five million why <coughs> Why would make. you
0: take the five million
3: because instant gratification <laughs> okay and also five million is a lot of money like it I is, don't yeah. believe that I would blow that. I'm quite good at budgeting, okay? Not that bad, so not 5 million <laughs> I've never tried that before, but I know I, I do feel like I'd still be intentional with it and do any investments and try and make more money with it. Um, but I'd just be happy. I can go Disneyland and do things. So. <laughs> I
2: feel like with that that amount of money, I feel like there'd be so much responsibility. Yeah. Like, how would I help you the know, community? Know, just... No, but you know. <laughs> but you know that you've got that much money. And so with the wealth, there's yeah. the risk, right? You have the responsibility with it. So I would feel like that is you too much responsibility for me at one time given time Mm. what i do with myself i I
0: actually got asked that question at interview and um yeah they asked whether i'd get i think 10 million or like 1000 pounds for the rest of my life and obviously it was just a question how like i'd budget and stuff like that but what did you respond real
3: interview like a job (laughs) yeah yeah a job job interview wow
0: um yeah Um, i mean the correct answer would have been the a thousand pounds a month because obviously you'll be able to budget for it the 10 sure. million is kind of like you know you That's have a trick you have an amount and i guess it, it depends how you budget whether it's the 1k or the 10 million but yeah it's, right. a, it's so you came with the
3: logical yeah um, go ahead
1: yeah so i'm just saying i've just done the math so i've done like 5 million divided by 10k i'm pretty sure so this because you're the last person in the room but that comes to 500 years nobody does 500 years thank so you Irfan from a financial point of view you could argue Sonia's right you guys will never again, get that 500 right.
3: maybe I don't want to have that much money <laughs> uh, you know, yeah well I will have it <laughs> you <can have> guys <laughs> chose it oh, thank you Irfan and that actually wraps up the fun gaming icebreaker session for us now and we can move back on to the main part of the show thank you Sonia for that and
2: that was quite fun to play um, so now moving on to the main topic. So what I want to do is talk about Yakub's and Irfan's journey to local government. Um, I'm going to start off with Irfan just to talk about how he got into his position. And I would like you to just to elaborate what you do right now and how you kind of envision yourself in the future.
1: Sure. So um, I'll start off back in, let's say, 2017. So I started off my undergraduate studies at King's College London, and I studied global health. Um, so, my interest area was always health in general, and I was one of those people who were uh, um, interested initially in getting into medicine, but let's say more so, like through societal pressure than I'd say my own sort of <laughs> passion. So, um, alhamdulillah, I saw the light though in sixth form through do, uh, through doing some work experiences, and then, then I, d- I decided that I'm still interested in health, so let me let me go forward of a global health degree. Then obviously in the in the middle of my degree or well, towards the end of it, the pandemic hit. So um, kind of skill set area or, you know, the area that I'd got my, de- got my degree in had actually become really handy. And I thought which career sector fits best with my skill sets and the knowledge that I've now developed from university. And I thought that was public service. So I applied to a variety of public service graduate programs um, throughout the throughout the duration of my last year. Um, but in my second year, alhamdulillah, I got an opportunity to do an internship um, in the civil service SDIP. So if anyone knows about SDIP, it's an internship for people from from lower social economic backgrounds. Um, and I did that. I got a taster into what the work is like in the civil service. And I thought, you know what, this might be for me. So I applied for that. I got into S-Dip, Um And if you, su- if you successfully progress through you get a fast track into the assessment center admittedly the assessment center did not go too well <laughs> um, but alhamdulillah I used the experience of that assessment center to future ones and so um, I applied for the NGDP which is a local government graduate program which is the equivalent of the fast stream in the civil service um, and essentially I was waiting till quite late in the day to hear back after my video interviews and tests because of the, the pandemic hit um, and then alhamdulillah, I got in, I was able to start off the graduate scheme uh, at the same time I started my master's actually, I was that sure that I was not going to get a job that I got into a master's, which is what nine out of 10 people do when they know they're unsuccessful with graduate scheme. So but alhamdulillah, each, oh, I swear I'm not adding anyone here, this is just me talking about my journey. <laughs> so I do apologise, Sonia, but that, that's just, um, yeah, that's my journey into local government. Um... If there was an element of your question that didn't answer, let me know. Uh, no, I think uh, that marion. covers yeah, it. That I think that really covers a in. lot.
2: I think one of the kind of reflections from that is that sometimes we think that there's a certain trajectory that we should perceive, but Allah has something written better for you. Who would have thought there would be a global pandemic and your degree became extremely re- relevant. And um, with that societal pressure of going into a certain degree, um, that often does come from our communities because that sense of security, um, but really and truly, The premise of it is service and that's exactly what you're doing now so alhamdulillah it's really good to hear that it has worked out for you and obviously we will be talking about MIP um, in the next half. Yaqub, could you tell us your journey as well?
0: Um, So like I guess a lot of people I didn't know much about public sector, local government, central government Um, and so when I did my undergraduate in economics and finance at the University of Surrey, when I came towards the end of my undergraduate studies again like a lot of people it was almost like what do I do now um and then I started applying to different graduate schemes some in the private sector some in the public sector and I came across finance the future which is a local government finance graduate scheme um and I just thought why not applying so I applied along with one of my friends actually from university she applied to and um yeah we went through the process so it was a phone interview then um i think it was like some online tests and then an assessment center but i think one i guess key reflection from actually applying into local government was having someone to do it with you um looking back i don't know if i could have done it myself and just having that soundboard where you know you're Doing you know mock question answer sessions or you know you're answering questions together. I think it's really important going through that journey with someone, um, and I'm really grateful for it. So yeah, um, I was successful in that application. I managed to get into local government. I did have a couple of interviews beforehand, um, and I know I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, like Irfan, and, but it's it's those interviews were a lot different to the interviews that I had in the public sector. The ones in the public sector was more around your social values, how you can, you know, become more socially aware, how you're helping people, whereas in the private sector it was more, you know, how they can harness your powers into becoming more profitable. So it's, I guess, a different stance, but yeah, I, I, if anything, like I, I kind of enjoyed the interviews in the public sector and yeah, that that's kind of what drove me into this sector and, you know, that's where I am right now.
2: That's really valuable to hear. And um, what I appreciate that both of you have mentioned is that it wasn't something that happened overnight. It's something mm. that was a process and a journey. And I think what I want to kind of briefly touch upon is, um, and this question is for both of you, is what challenges did you face uh, in trying to overcome those barriers that you faced in terms of you know, having access? Do you want to start off, Yacoub?
0: Um, yeah, so I think one key barrier was knowledge Um, so I I did mention that I had no clue what public sector was in fact you know coming from uni I had no clue you know how to go about applying to jobs I didn't know what certain sectors um, you know what certain sectors offered me and um, it was almost like uh, you know I would just apply to this because it's there and um, I think it's really important having that knowledge and that only comes with actually speaking to people who have been there and done that and that's really important. I think perhaps the second point is interview skills so if I look back at my first interview I would have thought what is this guy doing what is this guy saying but I think one perhaps thing I would change looking back was you know, I, I did mock interviews, I did mock question and answers, but, you know, actually speaking to someone who has been there is really important. So alhamdulillah, like I was given the opportunity to sit on an interview panel and then it gives you a true reflection of what actually is the organization looking for? What are the interviewees looking for? Um, and yeah, I, I, just, I just think that's really important actually speaking to people who, who have been there, who have done that journey and they're more than willing to help, so yeah it's just yeah
2: it's about reaching out and networking and
0: that's uh, i mean uh, probably (coughs) no go ahead if you have a thought yeah no i mean we're going to speak about mip but you know that that's that's kind of what mip is all about you know having that network or being that sounding board for someone in in those circumstances and giving them that network and their ability to you know yeah
2: no, that's a really insightful to hear in terms of how you just were proactive and tried to get support. And I'm sure we will discuss how not everyone has the ability to exactly. access that knowledge. Um, I know for me as well, I was proactive in terms of uh, trying to get help to apply to the roles I'm, I'm in today. Uh, We are coming to the end of the first half. In fact, I will be asking you this question afterwards. Um, However, I think what we have kind of talked about this first time is really important in terms of understanding how people can get into local government, understanding that... It's a journey and it's a process, as opposed to something that happens immediately, uh, and you have to be really proactive in terms try to get those opportunities. So, again, thank you again, Um, Irfan and Yakub for that. If you do want to join in the discussion, you can call us on zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two, or you can WhatsApp us at o triple seven nine. Four eight one eight two two, or you can me- uh, message us on our Sister Speak Instagram. We would love to hear your thoughts. So that does round off the first half. Um, does anyone have any last thoughts in the last couple of seconds? No. Nothing um, from me. Okay, perfect. So that's, that <laughs> is the end. Thank you for your contributions. I will see you in the next half. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi
3: Assalamu Alaikum this is Atif Nawaz listen to Inspire FM shows in your time
2: by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify <laughs> Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome back to Sister Speak. You're here with me, Mariam, and also joined in this studio is me, Son- uh, is Sonia, Yaqub and Irfan. Um, they have joined us from Muslim in Public Policy, and we're very happy to have them. Um, in the first half, we talked about uh, the journeys to local government, and we also had a quite an anecdotal game. Um, but in this half, we will be delving deeper into how Muslim public policy has emerged. Um, before the the first half, I did ask Yaqub what was his journey to local government, the barriers that he faced. And I do want to continue the conversation. So Irfan, could you please let us know what your barriers were in terms of accessing a, a local government uh, job?
1: Of course. And I just want to say like, we didn't pre-plan answers or anything, but I had the exact same points in mind. So I'm not going to take too long and say, like, honestly, what your group said are the main two barriers. So you've got accessibility. Um, the fact that we didn't know what local government was and what it entailed is quite problematic, I think. And we'll, we'll talk about MIP in a bit and how that can bridge that gap. The other thing is skill set. So do you, do graduates and students have the skills necessary to navigate the application process, especially when you're facing competitive um, sort of competition from mm-hmm. people from different backgrounds, I say. Um, so Alhamdulillah, I got support from Upreach, which is a great um, organization that helps people from ethnic minority backgrounds to access these spaces and internships and so on. Um, And yeah, we'll talk a bit later about how we can bridge that gap. But those are the two main barriers.
2: Um, Thank you for sharing that. I think that's something that also I can resonate with in terms of trying to access a certain role. Um, Having access to people that have the resources to support you is really fundamental in terms of navigating these uh, requirements. Um, But I wanted to ask you something that perhaps you may have not thought about before, Um, especially as Muslims. I just want to ask, how do you kind of navigate your position in terms when it conflicts with your values because i think that's something's quite fundamental as well though we are in these areas of work in terms of policy it's important to acknowledge that we are fund- grounded by r- religious beliefs so i wanted to start off with irfan what is your views on that and how have you navigated um those conflicted uh aspects of your role if there is any
1: yeah of course and just to say first of all like, i think it's really important to ch- who's a career which matches your your belief standing. And that's where I think, again, this sector is really good because the whole essence of it is public service and stewardship and looking after people and looking after the residents that you serve, especially in local government. So just to put out there as a disclaimer, alhamdulillah, I've, I've not been in a position where my values have been conflicted at work, so I've not had to navigate that problem. But I think what I can say is where there is an issue, I can say that, at a level where you're not too senior, especially when you're starting off your career, you definitely have scope to like speak to management and talk about where if there's a certain policy area that you're not really comfortable working on, there's definitely scope for you to get get your work streams moved around so that it fits what you're passionate about and something that you want to work on. I will admit as you get more senior, there might be more challenges that really, that sort of come along the way. I think at that point, you have to um you have to get advice from the right people if it's an islamic issue then from scholars in your community if it's something more professional than your mentors like in the professional setting and is that it's is that it's that 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 juncture where, where you have to sort of make your decision if you want to uh have people that are more senior in the sector um that are challenging these issues head-on or whether you want to avoid it altogether and i'm of the position i think we need people representing this field um that can sort of navigate some of the issues um and hopefully you don't have to do it when your values are conflicted because that is the nature of our work is that is very resident facing very citizen facing in that sense um and there's people from diverse backgrounds that are very understanding of your beliefs and so on but yeah i think that's a
2: very (laughs) well-rounded and comprehensive thought um, thought process because um I think what you've highlighted as well is that your decision into your career is something that starts from the very beginning. You have to research whether these uh, industries are going to compromise your beliefs. And then the second point that you mentioned about how uh, uh, when you are in, in certain careers and as you grow uh, grow uh, into the ladder, you'll have you'll be conflict you'll be conflicted with ideas that my my um be against your values and how do you have that conversation how do you have that dialogue but then you have to make that choice um, and i think that's the fundamental thing it's a choice when you're in these uh, roles that you have to be able to articulate your values um, and understand why you are following these values as well so i do think it's really important as muslims we should try to have a teacher to teach us you know what fiqh is what why do we believe certain beliefs um so we can navigate these roles but in the same time uh, in terms of representation so, uh, Yakub, yeah, I want to ask you the same question. If you are, have faced yeah. with this or
0: um, what your views are. So, yeah, I just wanted to add to what Elfan said that I think it's really a rare occurrence that this happens. Um, and I think it's really important to speak about it. So, rather than perhaps kind of take a step back and just kind of be miserable, it's really important to speak about it with your managers, to your colleagues. Um, I just want to add that I think right now, like, there's a real cry for like d- uh, equality, diversion, inclu- diversity, inclusion, and um, people will actually respect you for standing up for your beliefs because right now, you know, everyone has such varied beliefs, such varied values, and you know, p- um, there's like a mutual respect. Whereas if someone has different values to me, they will respect me for having those values, even though it may conflict with theirs or even though, you know, they might not agree with it, but they will still respect it. So I think this real drive for equality, diversity and inclusion is really important. And right now, and I can speak for perhaps my organisation, I don't know about other organisations, but if I wasn't comfortable doing something specific because of my values and I stepped back from it I think they would respect me for that and I don't think they would kind of throw up a fuss but I just want to kind of say that it's really important actually speaking to people about it rather than kind of staying silent because I've had these conversations with other people where they hate their jobs or you know they really despise their workplace because they don't speak up and yeah it's just having those conversations.
2: I think it comes from a place where people um, don't have the security of having another role and so therefore they think that if I do speak up, this will compromise their uh, career progression. But I think, um, I've actually experienced this, but I think what it is is that you have to recognize that risk is from Allah. And so therefore you can only acquire the amount of wealth that Allah has written for you. And so therefore even if you make the choice for the sake of Allah, you have to have that conviction that He will facilitate for you, and He will open the doors for you. And I actually recently experienced this conflicting thing, so that's why I wanted to ask, what's your views on this? Um, and I think dialogue is really important. I think when you are when proud of your values and you and you fully have fully have conviction in them, I think Allah opens the doors quite naturally. Um, so yeah, Irfan, did you have anything add to to add?
1: Not to this bit
2: now. Okay, perfect. So um, I think I want to kind of move on to actually talk about MIP, um, so Muslims in Public Policy. Uh, as I mentioned, um Irfan and Yaqub are the co-founders of Muslims in Public Policy. Um, I'm going to turn to you, Yaqub, just to ask to ask you what is MIP and you know what you stand for, what are your aims.
0: Yeah, so Muslims in Public Policy. So I, I guess two years ago, I think it's about two years now. Um, Rafan messaged me on linkedin and um i think we both had similar thought process that we were starting our professional careers within the space um and alhamdulillah although like there are muslims within the sector Mm -hmm. and this is probably a change that happened in the last 5 10 15 20 years where you wouldn't see any muslims or any you know people from ethnic minorities um I i think just looking upwards so looking at Senior roles, or looking at those roles that have, you know, high impact on the communities that we live in, you don't really see as many ethnic minorities, as many Muslims in those roles. Um, So, just a couple of stats, I guess. So, even within the civil service, the difference in Muslim representation from the most junior grade to the senior grade, it goes from 4.6% to 1.2%. Yeah. So it falls by 3%, which is you know quite significant. And not just in civil service, in local government as well. Only 5.8% of local authority CEOs declared themselves as having a minor, minority background. So even though there's been a lot of progress made, alhamdulillah, like there's still a lot of work to be done and this is why myself and Rafan kind of set up Muslims in public policy to I guess facilitate that space Um, and yeah I'm just going to pass on to Rafan if he wants to add
1: yeah I think so you've already spoken about the main bit which is about the gap in representation at the highest level so I'm not going to talk about that I'm going to talk about more the the softer element of it which is the community Mm -hmm. I think element of community was missing um, in this space and that means like more generally networking opportunities for people within the space let's say doing outreach to people that want to learn about local government and the civil service within the space that was absent and i think just coming from a place where at university and i'm just i am aware that people have had different experiences with their ISOCs and islamic societies and so on but alhamdulillah mine was quite positive um at king's especially in my undergrad i was heavily involved in charity week which is the islamic relief project and just seeing what can be achieved when muslims unite as a volunteer force was really empowering and i i didn't want that to end just because now we have jobs i think we can emulate this in our in our careers obviously to a lesser intensity because we're more busy but it doesn't mean that we can't facilitate something for muslims to 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 sort of give back to the communities always so it's a mixture of that representation point that Yacoub made which is the more professional point but then you have the softer community point which also is very important as well to not
2: What has been the challenges Irfan uh, in terms of bringing people together for the establishment of MIP
1: um, Challenges in bringing people together so as Yacoub said it's been two years um, in terms of creating the strategy, getting people on board um, I think one of the challenges were that we didn't launch straight away and we didn't go live straight away i say it's a challenge i think it was a benefit and mm-hmm. in hindsight i'm really happy we did that because mm-hmm. it basically it gave us a, a lot of time to make mistakes to learn to start off again so even something as easy as as a platform to communicate we we went around using like two or three different platforms um you know sort of making mistakes with them uh, just seeing how the team operated um and then we 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 adapted accordingly but i think it was also a challenge because when we had people come on board onto the team it was that lack of stability because we we had not launched yet we were still like working out what's the best way of working as a project uh, now we're live alhamdulillah we've got a bit of stability in the team we've got projects planned etc to be easier
2: speaking of projects Coob, can you talk about your current projects that you have for mip
0: um, yeah, so I guess three of our main projects is um, outreach, our mentorship program and networking. So um, like recently our mentorship program um, launched and uh, I mean, I can't say this, that it's open for applicants of people who are in this within the space, so who are early within their careers within local government central government or arms bodies of those um, please do apply um, and I, I think Rafan touched upon a really important point about the networking element um, I think networking sometimes gets a bad view in the sense that people think you know you have to be outside all of the time speaking to everyone but it isn't like that it's, it's kind of speaking to the people you just come in contact with and um, And I think perhaps in our communities, it's quite difficult because obviously you have, not just in our sector, but in any sector, you have, I guess, the pub culture. And sometimes Muslims aren't comfortable in, you know, immersing themselves in that culture, which is totally fine. And... What MIP is trying to do is, I guess, facilitating a space where people are able to build connections and build relationships, but in a way that they don't need to kind of forsake their own values. And I think that's just really important.
2: Yeah, in terms of outreach, I think um, I think you mentioned that because I'm quite passionate about social mobility. On that front, what what do you kind of envision MIP to do?
0: So uh, one of our key driving points is universities. So you know, myself and Afan mentioned this, and I know a lot of people had the same thing where they finished university and they didn't know what to do Mm -hmm. they didn't have knowledge about different sectors so one of our I guess key outreach elements is you know having those uh, connections to universities and to student bodies and going to universities and speaking about our sector and speaking about the type of work that we do so that If, like myself, you see an interest within the sector or, like Rafan, you see an interest within a specific part of the sector, then you have knowledge before you go into that and you can actually pursue a career in that rather than kind of going in blind and thinking, wait, I don't know what's going on. So, yeah, I think the outreach element is very, very important. And hopefully over the next coming months, you'll see a lot more activity in that. Irfan,
2: did you want to add...
1: Uh, I think just to add that on the mentorship front, yep, yeah, it's open right now, like Jakob said, and we've got some really inspiring leaders that have are, that are offering the, the time to be mentors um, within local government and the civil service. So if you're aspirational, if you're ambitious um, and you want some guidance in your career, not just a career, but I guess taking advice on other fronts as well, then please, please do apply. You've got about three weeks or so.
2: I wanted to ask both of you, have you both ever been mentored?
0: I have yes, and I really
2: speak about that. I think it's quite important for people who have never been mentored to kind of understand what does that actually look like.
0: So I I still have a mentor to this day, um, and it's it's valuable. I I can't kind of yeah, I can't speak more highly of it. Um, So I think one key thing about my mentor. So he is a director at the London Borough of Hackney. And um, he's also Muslim. He's actually from Luton as well, but he moved to London. Um, one key thing is that he understood it from, I guess, my my thought process in the sense that, you know, my, my career goals might be slightly different um, maybe than a standard person. And I think that's really important because I, I don't know about everyone else, but my journey has been different and my journey will be different. Um, and it's just finding that person that can help you rather than kind of take control of your journey and I think sometimes you do find that but yeah it's, it's just having that helping hand and you know so, sometimes like you are in situations and I know you touched upon like having conflicting situations with your values but having someone to speak about it is really important um, and yeah just having having someone there that you know will help you through it is just really important
2: Irfan do you, you want to add?
1: yeah just having access to a mentor at that level is really important i've also got a mentor who's in local government in this in in quite a similar role to yaqub's mentor in a different local authority um i think from a professional point of view it really gives you access to those really high level discussions that you're not exposed to at this point in your career but you know that one day inshallah you might be there so you're able to navigate those issues and those conflicting problems that they're solving um, in their role, and you're able to like transfer those skills or understand what's needed for me to to be able to solve problems in your in your role, basically in the in the in the future. Also, good to note that we've got mentors that Muslim. I think that helps as well because it helps to link that kind of uh, that whole public service and faith link is there. Um, but some people do do prefer to have a mentor that is like totally externally separate from their their way of functioning in terms of even their faith, and it really does come down to preference. Genuinely, whatever works for you best is um, is going to be beneficial. But having a mentor is great, and that's why we've got this program running.
2: Amazing! I'm also someone that's benefited from a mentor. Um, I just want to ask, how do you liaise the mentor and the mentee together from MIP? Um, is that through an interview process or can you just kind of delve into the details?
0: So, um, like, the actual application that mentees submit, so that they answer, like, a series of questions in terms of, like, you know, what they want to get out of the programme in terms of what they're looking for in a mentor and then internally, and then, obviously, we have a list of mentors and found that there's some great mentors that we have, um, and then internally we will allocate the mentee to the mentor depending on what the mentee is looking for out of the programme, Um yeah so it, it will be an internal allocation but obviously we, we will allocate as best as we think yeah if had did you have anything to add
1: not much just we have an application form and we'll allocate um, appropriately from the answers we get back but no there's no interviews planned for this year but in the future it just it just depends on the demand we get
0: I just want to add as well that so the mentorship program is open for um people who are at the early stages within the sector but the mentor the next mentorship cycle will be for people who aren't in the sector so who are looking to sure. come into public policy and yeah that that will open, on, I can't remember the date.
1: It will be like January, so the end of the start of the next year. Yeah,
0: roughly. so so yeah, so for those people that are thinking about going into the space, our mentorship program will start at the start of the next year. So just stay, you know, stay active on that.
2: Yes, yeah, so if you do want to uh, find about the opportunities, MIP does have a website. Uh, Could you just tell us the URL? Uh, okay.
0: So, yeah, if, if you just type in MIP.uk, it should come up.
2: Yep, yeah. and I think you also have an Instagram page and your Twitter handle Correct. is the same. Um, so I think you're sharing that. I think uh, having a mentor is really important. I think the way the mentor or mentor will speak with, over Zoom or online, it won't yeah. be a physical... Uh, aspect to it uh,
0: so yeah it, it will be well, I think to the yeah go for it from
1: yeah I think it just depends on their preference yeah. so if, exactly. if they're not too far um, from each other geographically then whatever's feasible but just to note that Instagram and Twitter is mip underscore UK just a really subtle difference sorry to the website handle um, instead of the dot but yeah that's why I wanted
2: to come in. Okay, perfect. Um, no, so I think one thing that is a barrier to mentorship is that the access even financially just to reaching those um, mentors. So I think it's really great that you have an online initiative that allows uh, people to access these mentors without the financial burden. Um, and I like what Irfan said, if it's feasible to meet in person, then that option is available. Um, I just want to ask, like, what is the long-term aims for MIP? I think it's quite important to kind of hear. I know you're just emerging and establishing, and it's great to hear that you are really trying to hone upon the skills that that already exist, but also open a network that will facilitate people in the future to access local government yeah. or central government. Um, but what does where does that position you in terms of your long term um, vision?
0: So yeah, I guess one of our main long term visions is, I guess. Uh, my network Elfans network and you know everyone around us our network is very much within the southeast so London Luton or th- those kind of areas and um, what we kind of envision is we want this to be a national scheme where people all across the country are benefiting communities all across the country are benefiting and th- that's really important rather than it just being people from London just being people from specific areas and um, so yeah, we uh, we're we're just starting up as an organisation, but we'd want our organisation to be where anyone across the UK can hear about us, can join in into the scheme. Um, yeah,
2: Irfan, can I ask you as well? Um, what yeah. influence do you would you envision MIP to have?
1: Of course, um, in terms of influence, MIP in general. So I think uh, as an organisation, I want us to be. Uh, uh, influential force in making our our workforce more diverse. So, as we saw from the census data, the Muslim population is increasing, but not just that, the minority ethnic population is increasing. So, it's important that um, as we progress, the government workforce um, also develops this diversity, so that we serve the the our our communities. Um, it's important that. The workforce represents the communities they serve mm. um so that's the impact that i want mip to have over the years we see more muslim chief executives we see more muslim permanent secretaries in, in the civil service alhamdulillah we've already got a few of these in our uh, advisory board, so it will help us to break those barriers for the next generation but the numbers are quite small so that's that is more of a numbers thing but also again more of a, on a softer note i want us to build that community i want people to be talking about sort sort of what is what is really good about working in a in a sort of local authority or a civil service uh, department i want that sort of conversation to be happening um when it's when we're talking about potential careers and so on that's sometimes the impact that we're meant to have
0: did you want to add to yakub um no i th- I, I think your covered it really well there
2: I, I i think you covered really good both of you have covered really both you both have covered very good points in terms of how you want MIP to be a kind of beacon of uh, skills for upskilling the community, but also to kind of ground in terms of your um, religion and religious values. Um, I just wanted to ask as well, um, is this organization just specific to people in policy? Because as the name kind of suggests, or is that something that you want to just kind of elaborate?
0: Yeah, so... Um, public policy kind of encompasses central government local government and i guess all of the arm's length bodies um so you know i work in local government or works in local government but you know there's also people across the team that work in civil service or you know let's say the nhs foundation trust bodies like that but public policy is wide-ranging and i guess it's an umbrella for all of those services
2: and I also wanted to say that if someone doesn't have policy experience, can they benefit from MIP?
0: Of of course, and you know I, I mentioned about the mentorship, the next mentorship program that's starting. So it's it's not MIP isn't just for people that work within public policies. For people outside of public policy that may think about a career within that sector, who are interested in like a specific area, I don't know, who are thinking maybe about. And you know, I work. In the finance side, Irfan works on commissioning and across the team, people work in so many varied roles and varied professions. And I think that's really important that, you know, public policy isn't just, you know, this is the specific role and this is you coming into a specific service, but it's wide ranging. You can be from finance, you can go into commissioning, you can go into, you know, trade, you can go into x y and z but yeah it's just having that network and having that you know bridge to do so
2: yeah i think that's a really good point we are coming to the end of the show and i think what you mentioned is that MIP is not exclusive to just one area there's oh. multiple areas thank you for both for joining and hope you both enjoyed it um join in our next show
0: thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at Inspire FM Luton.